Zechariah 1, verses 5 and 6. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, do they not overtake your fathers? We'll pause right there at the first part of that sixth verse. We'll bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless our lesson tonight. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have as your people, Lord, to also be your students, Father, to be your pursuer, Father, to to seek after those things that you have for us, Lord, to learn and to apply to our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you are willing to teach, you are willing to guide and empower and enable us to learn all the things that you have provided for us to learn, each individually. Father, I praise you, Lord, that we can have this education in your word and your will. Help us to receive it. Father, help us to see those examples of those ones who were willing and those ones who weren't willing, Father. To hear your word, to know your will and your ways, and to walk after that. Help us to do so, Father. We give you the glory tonight. Bless us by your word, Father, as we consider it, and our time of prayer to come. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. From time to time, little videos and uh, little pieces of entertainment will come my way. And over the course of the last well, several years, I'm not sure how long it's been, but it has been years, uh, I'll see little videos and snippets of, of a little tradition that takes place down in Atlanta for the Atlanta Braves baseball team. I don't know if it's a seventh inning stretch. It's just my assumption, I guess. But it's time between, well, in the middle of some inning of the game. And it's called Beat the Freeze. I don't know if you all know what Beat the Freeze is, but the Freeze is a guy dressed in a spandex suit, <laughs> covers his face, and it's spandex from head to toe. And Evidently, they take a, well, not evidently, I've seen it a number of times, and it's entertaining. They take a random fan, and they are as random as random can be, and they bring them down, and you square off against the Freeze, and the Freeze just happens to be a, well, a world-class, nearly world-class competitive sprinter. And so he's in spandex, and they line up, and I think they used to set the people on the warning track a good distance ahead and send them towards the, towards the dugout where they were holding a finish line, and the freeze would you know, be 100 meters behind them and try to catch them before they hit the end. But now they just start them off, and they get a 5- or a 10-second head start. I don't know. But very few people beat the freeze. He's very fast, and the people that they pick don't tend to be in great shape and that sort of thing. And Sometimes they get really close and it ends up in a spectacular failure as they are gutting it out at the end and trying to make it to the end and the freeze gets them. Anyway, it's a silly, it's a silly little thing, but it's entertaining and it's fun. It actually made me think, when I saw the freeze here recently, made me think of this passage and a couple of other passages kind of related to this one. Particularly where it says there in verse 6, Surely my words and my statutes, as Zechariah um, is speaking the word of the Lord, to a rebellious Israel, as much of the prophetic books are. Uh, Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? And so I think about that. You know, it means, well, the word and the will and actually the, the Lord himself and everything about him overtook their forefathers there, overtook those ones who were given so much as the people of God. Uh, What does that mean for them? What does he mean that it overtook them? Well, overtaking means just what the freeze does. He goes and he, those people are well ahead of him and he overtakes them and ends up catching up to them and even beating them in the race. It means that 
Well, we might jump the gun when it comes to the things of God, when he wants us to do something or he wants us to hold tight for a moment. Sometimes we'll jump the gun and we'll try to get there sooner than we're supposed to. Uh, might mean that we would try to choose a quicker route to a goal that we're looking for or, or that even the Lord has for us. It means that we might run differently than the Lord would have us to with a different form or technique. All of these things are just analogies, of course. But the fact of the matter is, is that we never beat the Lord. We never beat His will. We never beat His word. When I mean beat, He always overtakes us. What He tells us, this is what's perfect, this is what's good, and this is what's going to be. When we try to do something different, well, we're going to be overtaken by Him. He always wins. Uh, the freeze has been beaten. And I'm sorry I keep on making that correlation, but that's what's been on my mind. Uh, the freeze has been beaten before. It's not a big deal, but it's not very often that he, that he loses, but it happens from time to time. God never loses, and when he says something is going to be so, it's going to be so. Um, Zechariah was speaking to well, these people that were rebellious, as we consider them quite often, they were jumping off away from the direction that the Lord was going. The Lord was going to a certain finish for them and desired a finish for them. They didn't want that. They were taking a different route and going a different place. You who have been with young, small children, you understand how it is when you're out and about with them. The first thing they want to do in a crowded place is let go of your hand and go do their own thing. Go have a bit of freedom. You understand how that is. You understand why that is. Because as long as I'm tethered up to this big person who's with me, I'm tethered to them. And I don't have the freedom to make my own decisions and make my own choices and see what I want to see when I want to see it. We understand that illustration. We understand that analogy for us. We want freedom for ourselves. And when we don't actually necessarily see God with our eyes, sometimes we follow our own feelings and we follow our own emotions. We follow our own fleshly and natural desires and we go in a different direction or a different route than what the Lord has for us. Not an unfamiliar again, not an unfamiliar concept for us. We think about these sorts of things quite often because freedom feels good. Freedom feels in the moment, it feels good but you know what happens when the kids look around at some point and they've been enveloped by the crowd they get scared, they get nervous, they don't see mom, they don't know what's going on and they don't know what to do and they're really really hoping and wishing that mom would overtake them in that moment that mom would find them in that moment and well they wish that they hadn't raced away so far just because freedom feels good in the moment whether it's to a child or to one of God's children, just because freedom feels good in the moment does not will remove the fact that appropriate guidance is good. It doesn't just feel good. Appropriate guidance is good. Sometimes freedom feels good, but it's not good for us at all. Appropriate guidance and godly leading is what is good. No guidance is more better, more appropriate, more good than God's guidance. And so, Zechariah states that obvious thing there. We try to run by ourselves sometimes. Your fathers who ran, tried to run by themselves, where are they? The prophets, do they live forever? Time is short. Time is short for us. Uh, again, an age-old truth that our life is but a vapor. James says it to us in James chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, don't waste this time that you have. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow. Let me see, here we go. Nope, not that one either. James 4.13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there. Buy and sell and make a profit. Come, we, we have plans. We're going to do this. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, James says. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. Just a poof. 
just a wisp that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. If God wants us to do, you've, you've heard young people, perhaps the older people from time to time say, well, Lord willing, I'm going to do so-and-so. God willing, I'm, I plan on putting in a garden next week. You know, even, even on the simple mundane things, that's not vain speaking. That's not taking the Lord's name vainly or without purpose. Those who are looking for his coming and looking for the end of this life, however that might be, if they're loving his appearing, they're truly loving and thinking about that appearing. And, well, that is a qualifier, isn't it? If the Lord does not come before then, and he very well could. If he doesn't come, I plan on putting a garden in next week. Not me, it's 107 on a Wednesday. Not putting, in any, not putting in any garden, Lord willing. I'm not going to do any gardening. Uh, these ones, you know, that, that, well, they ran away from him. Your fathers, where are they? The prophets, do they live forever? No, they don't. The word and the will of God overtook them. We're finite. We're short-lived in this flesh. And those ones who are short-sighted and only look at this life here or look at it with, with it being at the forefront, they'll try to wring every piece out of this life. They'll run this way and that way and they'll bounce all over the place and waste their time and waste their energy trying to do things as the Lord wouldn't have them to do. Trying to wring out every bit of happiness or, or goodness supposed goodness out of this life and success and accomplishment and all of these things fun even anything they might try to find enjoyable and they'll find that they're running alone and that god isn't involved in that and then you find those other ones who there at the end and you can see it well again in that silly little race that they run in atlanta you see those ones who they're way ahead and they start coasting they think at the end it's like a hundred or 160 or 200 meters they get to the end and that guy's way back there and, and you know i'm good and they start waving or something like that and they're coasting there at the end and here comes that guy in spandex man and he is smoking down and beats them there at the end god's people try to coast sometimes you get old old in the lord perhaps oh man i know what i'm doing by this time i mean by this time i know what i'm doing and I, I i've got this christian thing down I was talking to a, well, to a friend of mine. That's been some years ago. I said, well, my man, you need to be in church, don't you? He was telling me about some issues that he had. You need to be in church, don't you? I haven't seen you there for some time. Well, you know what? He's not telling me anything there that I haven't heard a hundred times before. <laughs> Why do I need to be there? I've heard this a hundred times before. And of course, you know, the, the thought is, I know this, I've got this. But when you look at the issues that were being presented to me, and I say, you need to be in church. And he says, I've heard this a hundred times before. Well, then how come those things aren't being applied? You're coasting. You're, you're a young person. You're young in the Lord even. And, and you're coasting in the Lord. It won't get you to where you want to go. The wise of God's people want to truly win. They, they want to not only win, but they want to... Well, let me just say it this way. The Lord's going to overtake us. His word and His will are going to prove factual. They're going to prove right. They're going to prove perfect. They're going to prove beneficial if we finish with Him. So it's when He's going to overtake us anyway, why not be overtaken now? Why not be overtaken by Him now? These ones who Zechariah was talking about... And said, do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached. Where are they now? What did he say? What did the former prophets say to 
the forefathers. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, God made plain the rules to them and reminded that first generation going into the, the land of promise of those forefathers. And he says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. There's blessing that's going to come. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Same word. They will catch up to you. You will be blessed as the Lord as, as He catches up to you where you are. In that precise and perfect moment, in those well, moments to come of blessing, He'll overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then He goes on to give examples of how. How they'll be blessed. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in the fruit of your body. All these natural blessings, but certainly... The greater importance are the spiritual blessings that come when we're overtaken by the Lord. That's always been his M.O. To bless those ones who are willing to be blessed. To be good to those ones well, who will allow him to be good to him. Who will be good to him in return. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, it says in Zechariah 1.3. That's his way. That's how he is. You want some more of me? I'll give you more of me. The flip side of that was Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15, stepping down that page. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. He's still going to overtake you. It's just not going to be quite as pleasant, will it? All these curses will come upon you and overtake you. We'll reach out. And catch up to you where you are. It doesn't matter how fast you're running. It doesn't matter what direction. If you think you're going to make it your way. The Lord's going to overtake you. And it's going to be for blessing or for your, well, to your hurt. I hate to say it that way. It will overtake you. Again, both literally and figuratively. He goes on to talk about those curses. Saints, God's always precisely where he wants to be. Gandalf the wizard. <laughs> A wizard always arrives precisely at the time he wants to. He's a fairy tale, he's a fictional character. Jesus, the Lord, the Spirit, is where God wants to be at all times. And he wants to be with us. He wants to be where he's, well, where he knows to be right and good for us, and he wants us to be there with him. Have you not known? Have you not heard? We'll close in Isaiah 40, 28. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's always in the perfect place, always going in the right direction for us, always setting us in the right direction. And he invites and enables us to do the same. He gives power to the weak, it says in verse 29. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we cross whatever the finish line is for us, however we go home to be with the Lord, if we cross, cross the finish line and we're apart from God, we haven't won everything that we want to win. If, we're, if we have been going in the direction and in the manner we choose and not in the manner that He chooses and the direction He chooses then there's a certain measure of distance that we have from Him. It doesn't mean that we've beaten Him. He will always overtake us. We will always be overtaken by the rightness and the truth of His will. He'll be waiting there at the judgment seat of Christ. When we step before Him, He will have already beaten us there, so to speak. So to speak. But I just think to myself, 
you know, it would be kind of a neat little picture. It'll never happen, but the next time I see a race of the freeze, I would love to see that runner go running and get about halfway and then stop and turn around and watch and witness that guy in spandex. Look at his form and look at his technique and think, man, that guy's incredible. He's going to catch me anyway, so why don't I just sit and enjoy this? And wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if the freeze would stop and put his arm around that runner and say, come on, let's go together, or let me show you a technique, or let me show you something along those lines. Would never happen because that's not what sells it to the crowd. But if we're willing to stop and wait for the Lord, to be still and know that he is God, Man, if we stop and look back and allow him to overtake us now, he won't have to do it at the end of our lives. We can walk with him, enabled by him, taught by him, instructed by him, and in fellowship with him when he overtakes us now and takes us to the end of this course that we run. He's so much better than the freeze, child of God.